<laughs> well, when you look forward to Christmas and that season, of course, it starts earlier and earlier every year. What are, what are some of the favorite things that you look forward to? What runs through your mind? Fruitcake? Uh, <laughs> okay, family, food, okay, giving things, being able to be able to help people in need, notice people who are in need. I think there's so there's so much that goes on with Christmas, and you know, decorating the house, putting the lights on the house, the Christmas tree, the presents, uh, putting the kids in Santa Claus's lap, and I, don't, I know there are various opinions on um, the secularization of Christmas, but I think God gives us all things to enjoy, and we can enjoy those things, and I think uh, we should. But there, there are some, some incredible overriding themes from the scriptures also. So we, we enjoy Christmas this season, the travel, going places. And these themes come through. We call them the Advent themes. We have the first Advent, the birth of Christ. Second Advent is coming again, which we look forward to and anticipate. But they... They go, like, love, what's another one? Peace, did that last week. Today is joy, and then Friday night I'm going to talk about hope. Those are the four Advent themes when we talk about Advent. And so what I'm doing this year is I'm just taking each one passage of Scripture and talking about each of these. Now, we've been in 1 Corinthians 13, how long? I'm not sure. Uh, so love has been a theme through this fall we've talked about. And we contrast the love of God with love that the world knows. And the peace of God and the peace that the world might know. And the joy that comes from God contrasted with the joy of the world. And the same with hope. And I believe that while we have our beliefs and our doctrine, sometimes there is a contradiction with what's going on inside of us. In other words, we, we see these things, we read these words. In fact, if you, if you walk into a store and you'll, you'll see these themes of love and peace and joy and hope. And so we know those words, but we don't often feel the reality of it in our lives. And I think that everything gets pressing on us so that we, we can't really experience what we talk about. And I've often said it this way, that we, we want the reality to match the rhetoric. <laughs> um, so we talk about these things, but do we experience them as God has intended? So it may seem like a contradiction. So when I think of, of love and peace and joy and hope, these are things that God wants to establish in you, not just around you. He wants to establish these realities in you. I love what um, the 17th century French mathematician and philosopher Blaise Pascal said. He said, within every man is a God-shaped vacuum 
that only God can fill. So when God created you, it's like he, there's this void here, this vacuum here that of need, of, of needs that we have that only he can fill. And God does that through Christ, his son, and through the working of his spirit. So our theme this morning is joy. See if you pick this up. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. We're going to focus primarily on verse 10. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Cyrenius was governor of Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is Messiah, the Lord. So the verse that I'd like to focus on this morning is verse 10. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. To me, such an incredible event, and we talk about this every year, but I think that how God addresses our fears, today we have fear all around us, and it is the most common command in all of Scripture. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not worry. I have good news of great joy, which will, will be for all people, which means all of us, all of the world. It's an incredible, incredible announcement. So let's look at this good news. Good news is translated for us, uh, meaning, and we, we use the term gospel. You've heard this. Well, that's the gospel truth, or this is the gospel. Um, but it's really the announcement of good news. And the definition of this is found, and we're going to get to this in 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul describes it. He says, I passed on to you what is most important, what I've received. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. So what is the good news? The, the good news is that Christ has come, and he's died for our sins, he was buried, 
He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that, that's, that's what we call the central part of the gospel. And I, I would say that many people think of what is Christianity? What is the gospel? Well, is you have to believe in Jesus as your personal Savior. Now, I believe that. I believe that. Uh, we call that uh, being saved. We, we use the term being born again, becoming a Christian, is when a person individually puts their faith and trust in Jesus as their personal Savior. They believe the gospel. But the gospel is not just this event. It is all about Christ from eternity to eternity. It transcends everything. The gospel is not just getting your ticket punched so you know you go to heaven. Now, I, I'm glad I know I'm going to heaven. <laughs> um, when I read the scriptures, it says I can know that I'm going to heaven. But it, that's just the beginning. That, that's just the beginning. The gospel, this good news, should impact every day of your life. It should fill it with joy. So the person and work of Christ is point in time, this happened 2,000 years ago, with effects that impact us every day. And when we think about good news, gospel, it, the definition of it inherently means it gets announced. It is, it is so exciting, you can't be quiet. Now, we've all had things happen to us that we're just looking around. In fact, I've, I've been out before, and people will turn to a total stranger. It's exciting enough. They will turn to a total stranger and tell them everything. And they, they don't even know that person. <laughs> but you just can't keep quiet about it. And this is, in fact, the greatest news that in, in all of history, in all of history, the message of Christ, that he came, he lived a perfect life, he was a substitute atonement on the cross for our sins to wash them away. So he conquered our sin, conquered death, rose again, ascended to heaven, and he's coming again. He's coming again to take us. That's the second advent. That, I mean, there, there is no better news. <laughs> there is no better news anywhere. And when I think of this event that we're talking about, this birth, it, it's, it's in a very exciting time, but it's part of a story. And when you look at the Bible, it's a pretty big, especially mine up here, it's a pretty big, big book. I can see more and more why people use their iPhone. But it, it's a pretty big thing to carry around. I don't carry this around every day. Um, but you can say it's, there's 66 separate books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament books. But it is one story. It is one story of the love of God rescuing you and me. It's, it's, it's beautiful how it's put together. And it's done, I think, in, in this way, through pictures and through prophets. I didn't work at that. But uh, <laughs> through pictures. Now think, think of all of the pictures of redemption. Adam and Eve, you know, right after they sinned, they, they blew it. I mean, they're in the perfect Garden of Eden. I mean, it couldn't get better. And they chose to go against God. And so they just blew it. And immediately in Genesis 3, 15, after they said, God talks about a promise. 
Remember, you heard about they were, they were, they were in the garden, they were naked, they were unaware of that, they didn't understand sin, there was no shame, and all of a sudden now they understand shame, and so they cover themselves with fig leaves. And then God slew an animal, took the skin, and covered them with skins. What do you think that's a picture of? Sacrifice, blood, atonement, death, life, and it's all, he begins immediately to give hope of the rescue. What about Noah? You know, it, it's like God wants everyone to believe in him, everyone to do right, everyone to be blessed, and yet the whole world, the whole earth is turning against God and going their own way. It says that the sin on the, on the earth was just rampant. Everyone was doing what they thought was right in their own eyes, and there was one righteous person, Noah. And so God said, I'm going to destroy the earth. Kind of like, we're going to start over. <laughs> you ever do that with something? Just say, okay. <laughs> and yet, you find one righteous, and, and for this one righteous man, you see that God does something special. And how long did it take for him to build that ark? Anybody remember how? 120 years. And you know, that's, that's not really so much about Noah taking such a long time to build a big boat. <laughs> it's about the patience of God. It's about the patience. For 120 years, Noah was preaching, believe, believe, trust God's offer, eternal life. Come on, get on the boat, get on the boat, get on the boat. The rain's coming. The flood, oh, we've never seen a flood. Flood came, you say, well, does that, to me, it, 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 you say, God, God is cruel. A lot of times people interpret that as his cruelty. And God, uh, to me, the love of God will not tolerate sin that's destroying and ruining your lives. And the love of God will also be when he offers a way out, a, a generous way out. What about Abraham and his son Isaac, Moses and the Red Sea parting, Aaron and the priesthood, all through the Bible, you see picture after picture after picture that's pointing to these events of Christ. The prophets, Isaiah 7, verse 14. This is 700 years. 700 years before Christ is born. Isaiah says this, Behold, a virgin will conceive. That's, that'll get your attention. And bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. In other words, you're going to have a son born of a virgin, and his name is God, here with us in flesh. And that's exactly what happened. Isaiah 9, 6, transcendent announcement. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. For the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, this baby. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. You know, you know some people, skeptics, could say, well, <clears throat> someone just kind of wrote that when they saw it happen and put a bunch of dirt on the paper and, and said that was 700 years ago. <laughs> but they actually discovered the, the Dead Sea Scrolls um, dated back to several hundred years 
before. So this, this was all written way before Christ came. And now he's here. This is his advent. And many people <clears throat> are looking for something else. And so when he comes, they don't get it. There are a few that did, Anna, Simeon. But I think religion had become so user-friendly and so secularized. Be like our days, if you, know, you say, joy to the world, what song is that? Well, that was by Three Dog Night. Um, <laughs> Jeremiah, <laughs> Jeremiah was a bullfrog. You, that, that, that dates me. Um, <clears throat> you say, how did you fit that into your sermon? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, when you, sing, when you think of what songs joy to the world, um, our, our, our Christianity has become very secular. In other words, it's just, it's not the way God intended it. And it gets skewed, and people are blinded to the truth. So the good news has come. It's been, it's been all through the scriptures. And now what I think is, is amazing is these angels are announcing good news, which is, you know, to me that's kind of a, I hate to say the Bible's understated, but good news is like, this is the greatest thing ever. It is the greatest news ever. It should do something for us. And this is what it does here. It says, good news of great joy. So, <clears throat> good news of great joy. That is what it, it is intended to produce in us. This good news that was beginning in Genesis, all through the scriptures, and now we read about it in Luke chapter 2, should do for us is bring incredible joy to all of us. It is the result, it is the response, it is the action. Now, did you see or pick up how those shepherds responded when they first heard or first saw the angel? It says, now in the old King James, you, some of you will remember this, they were sore afraid. Now, what does it mean to be sore afraid? Well, it really hurt, but it meant, it meant terrified, absolutely terrified. And here's the amazing thing about God. God is a holy God. He doesn't become less holy to present himself to you. And so when you read some of these things, there are, you know, shepherds are out in the field looking at the stars. I mean, that's their life. And all of a sudden, they, they see a scene that is just so incredible. It terrifies them. You ever been terrified? Have you ever been scared? <clears throat> I gotta tell you a little event this last this last week. You know, we we were Thanksgiving, it was just Diane and me. First time in 40 years. It was just the two of us. Now you don't need to feel sorry for us. We had a great time just the two of us. <clears throat> but typically, when we were at the college. We, our whole house would be full of college students that weren't able to go home for Thanksgiving and that sort of thing. So we'd always have a big, big and dime would be doing all the cooking and everything else. And so Thanksgiving is great. So we're kind of planning on Christmas being about the same. All the kids are, you know, they've gone to Florida, California. And so we're planning, Diane's still getting ready for Christmas and we're going to have a great Christmas. And then we find out <clears throat> that Ross and Ashley are coming. And Ashley's parents are going to come. And Ross's friend and his wife and their baby are coming. <clears throat> and so 
it's like Diane's already in Christmas mode. I don't know if you guys or your wife's like this, but I mean, she just, she's, I just gotta get out of her way. And she is, <clears throat> she cranks up the music. We got Kenny G, Bing Crosby, Carpenters. I know it's, it's probably all the same for you. And then we'll do some other more serious uh, spiritual things too. But she's got the music really loud and she's in a very happy, festive mood and she is down in the basement pulling up all the decorations and putting up and I'm, and I'm just trying to be available. <laughs> and so now, now we find that we've got seven more people coming. And so now it's all ratcheted up. And so she says, I'm, I'm gonna be down in the basement. So she's pulling everything out, getting all the rooms ready. She said, I'm gonna be busy down there. And, and, and she spoke, so I, I'm out running around and I come home. And I hear the music coming up and she's down there. And so I just kind of walk on down and I stand in the doorway. And, and she just about comes on glue. <laughs> she, said, she said, don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. <clears throat> well, this, this happened like four or five times. So I'm thinking, she's down there. I can't, I can't cell phone her. Can't touch. She's not listening to that, but the music is going. And she says, you're killing me. You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> now, it always, it always ended up, I'm happy to see her, got a hug and a kiss from my wife, so she's pretty, she's pretty good at that way. <laughs> but, I, but I think, you know, being startled, um, it's kind of fun to startle other people. I was having, having fun there. But, uh, <laughs> but, but getting startled, um, and so this, this is the, the ultimate being startled by this. And, and yet the first words were, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So God in his holiness, when you stand in his holiness, you can tremble. You can tremble. And he's going to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because I am bringing you good news, which will be a great joy. I think the beauty of, of what God has done is that he does not become a sinner and less of his holiness so he can connect with you. He washes your sins away so you can connect with him. And being a God who's holy is necessary to be a God of love. You know, when you think about this, this joy, you think, well, so what is, what is joy? We may not use it, we may use the word happy. I don't know if you can isolate those words completely, but I think happiness can mean more just happenings, uh, things that are pleasant around you that are going on. Joy is something that is deep-seated. It is, it is in, internal, and, and it flows out. Joy is, is uh, a condition of the heart. And this is God's priority for you, is the heart. And only God can give it. Joy is not dependent on outward circumstances. Joy, real joy is not dependent on the weather or health or money. or It, it is something much fuller, richer, and permanent. 
And I think all the things that God does that bring joy, one, our sins are forgiven. No guilt and no shame. Now, that's hard for us to process. All our sins are forgiven. The comfort and joy of his spirit living in us, the comfort and joy of the promises of the word, of his word, the joy of answered prayer. When you see God answer prayers, there's joy in that. Joy in fellowship we have with one another. Joy in our fellowship, most of all, with God. And all through the scriptures, he speaks about this. In Psalm 16, he says, in your presence is fullness of joy. What is his presence like? Acknowledging he's here and he's with us. Psalm 145, 16 says, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. It's one of my favorite verses. Speaking of God, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Nehemiah, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 10, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So when we become happy in eternal realities, eternal truths that never change. It affects our hearts, and when your heart is affected that way, it affects your disposition. That's why it overflows. Good news, great joy, and then I, this last part, which to me is just so amazing, for all people. For all people. Now, you and I all know certain people that we don't think that includes, don't we? You may know those personally. They may be neighbors. They may be family members. They, they may be people you've met along the way. There are people in human history that we would say, they're not part of the all. Too bad, too evil. Too wicked. Past forgiveness. But he says, this good news That will bring great joy is for all people. You know, sometimes we think, well, I, I want to find out who this applies to, who this blessing applies to, this gift applies to, so I can tell them the good news. It's for all people. It was for, in this story, we read about the emperor, see the Caesar. Cyrenius, the governor of Syria. We read about King David, who was not the perfect man, was he? He was a man after God's own heart, but he stumbled along the way. And then we have people who are just common, everyday people, Joseph and Mary. Jo uh, Joseph was a builder. You know, we use the word carpenter, but in those days it was it meant everything structurally. He was a builder. But they were poor. And then, of all people, shepherds way out in the field. It's just to me amazing that this good news, which brings great joy, is for every person on the face of the earth. Did you ever used to ask the question, what about the people in the jungles of the Amazon? I asked that. I mean, there are no missionaries there. They don't have any Bibles there. How do they know? One thing we know 
is God's love for all the world. His love for all the world. And secondly, we know his ability to save all the world. You know, his love for all the world is expressed in maybe the most familiar verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his own son, only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And his ability to save all the world. In Revelation 5, verses 9 and 10, it says, And they sang a new song, You are worthy to take the scroll, speaking of Christ, and to open its seals, because you were slaughtered, speaking of Jesus, and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. I love that. Every tribe, language, people, and nation. His offer is to all the world. He says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I think of this, all of our sins forgiven, all the world, all our sins forgiven, Psalm 103, verse 12 says, He has separated our sins from us as far as the east from, is from the west. So let's just think about this for you. Okay? Forget everybody else for a moment. Just for you. All of your sins that you've ever committed, committed today and will commit, He separates this from you as far as the east is from the west, which is infinite. I mean, if you think of that, it's infinite. Hebrews 8.12 says, I will forgive your sins and I will remember them no more. All of your sins. All sins. He forgives all sins of all people for all time. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? When I read that, for all people, it's just God is not limited in his ability <clears throat> to see to love, to save, to forgive for everyone. I don't know about for you, but it gives me a greater sense of boldness to tell someone the good news. Instead of saying, well, well, before I promise anything, uh, which sins have you committed? No, uh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> you went over the line there. I said, you know, our... Our capacity and ability to sin against God will never hit, exceed his ability to forgive. God is a greater forgiver than you are sinner. And the moment you say, my sins are too big, too great, too much for God, is you make yourself God. He is greater than you. And that's what he wants to do, is to forgive. So what about these, and I think of the shepherds, <laughs> Because kind of the, they're they're out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock. Um, who would see them? Who would even know about them? Most of the seven billion plus people in the world, you and I don't see and don't know. How 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 could this include them? And so I want to just kind of explain something I think is powerful with with the scripture. We have what we call, you know, revelation. How, how does God reveal himself to us so we can know? And we have 
general revelation and then specific revelation. General revelation would be in his creation. Um, in fact, in, in Psalm 19, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse, this is the expanse of the earth proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. You think about this, what he's saying, that in everything that we see in creation, every flower, every bird, every animal, every human, every baby that you hold, reveals that there's a God, generally. In Romans chapter 1, and verse 19, it says, for, for what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them. How? For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. So creation and just the visible, you know, you see a little baby and you look at the, the miraculous um, work of God in that, does reveal that there is a God. And I would say a loving God, an, an intelligent God. So you say, but it doesn't tell us about Jesus, doesn't tell us about this and that, because we need specific revelation. You know how the, the scriptures say that we, there's no other way to heaven but through Christ. There are not other ways. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you don't even know the name of Jesus, what he did, how can we do that? Let me, let me show you this. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all your heart. So what God is saying is, if people see general revelation <coughs> and seek him, he will reveal specific revelation. And I, I can tell you story after story about people on very remote islands, <laughs> jungles of the earth, that have seen his creation, sought him, and God has sent someone to them. And then when the missionary came, they thought they were coming of their own accord. It's like this was an answer to prayer. So God gives enough general revelation for you to be able to acknowledge him and to seek him. And when you seek him, he says, you will find me. That's amazing. That's amazing. So we have an opportunity. Between first advent, birth, second advent, he's coming again. He will set up his kingdom. He will take all believers to heaven with him. He will judge the earth. The ones he will judge are ones who have refused and rejected his offer. They've rejected his love. And many times, time and time and time again. And so God is, it says in, in Peter says this in 2 Peter 3, 9, God is not slack. He is not uh, concerning his promise, but he's, he's long-suffering and patient and waiting. It's like the 120 years. 
before the flood. He's waiting, waiting, waiting. Now, some of us are saying, like, God, would you just come today? <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? Lord, I just want you to come today. Now, I know that makes you a little nervous if you did that right now. Especially someone who's going to get married tomorrow or something like that. They're thinking, because we don't understand the way God is working. But I, I would say that there are times that we long to be in a perfect world. Better than the Garden of Eden with our Heavenly Father. But what, what would be the one thing that would nag at you about leaving this place? There's a family member. There's a friend. There's someone you care deeply about that has yet to receive the greatest gift ever given of salvation. And that's why God waits. And so we don't live in panic over this, but we realize that God in the right time will come. And, and we look forward to that. So all the junk, the stuff, the, the hard, difficult things we face, we realize this is not forever. What is forever is with him. And so we're prayerful. We're thoughtful about the people around us. And I hope that, 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 that at Christmas, we can, one, be like these shepherds, um, hearing good news of the greatest joy, the greatest news, the greatest joy for all people would do two things for us. One would fill us with joy overflowing. It would, no matter what your circumstances are, you have joy that overflows. And you're looking to share it with someone else. Prayerful. You're not beating people over the head. You're not pressing, but you're wanting to share. Good news of great joy is for all people, all sin, for all time. Let's bow together. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you <coughs> for your goodness expressed love to us in sending your son. May this season be for every person here so full of joy and so desiring to share it with others. We pray in Jesus' name.